0: To another episode of Rural Faith and Apologetics and I am your host Jess Robinson. So we have a new microphone this week and so we're just working out the fine details of how this microphone's going to work. So we'll give this a try. So for the last two weeks we talked about the Bible being inspired and being the ultimate authority in our lives. If you haven't listened to those episodes please pause this one and go check them out before we get into this week's topic i want to give a shout out to one listener who has been faithfully listening to this podcast since it first came out her name is a anna and she has a blog called diary of a chosen daughter i actually know her real name but i'm going to be using her blog name for this podcast and i will post a link to the blog in the episode description for you to check it out her blog is faith-filled And she did an awesome series this summer where she visited several Assembly of God churches in Wyoming. So go check her blog out. I'm actually excited because this Friday I will be traveling with A. Anna and her sister to Bozeman, Montana to attend an Assembly of God women's conference. One of the speakers there will be Joanna Weaver, who is one of my favorite authors. She has written Lazarus Awakening and her latest has been Embracing Trust, which is my favorite. So I just wanted to give a shout out, which I will do from time to time. We now are in our sixth episode and I want to say that if you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow and subscribe and rate this channel and it will help the podcast to grow. Now onto to this week's subject, I want to look at arguments that have been made by those who don't believe that the Bible is inspired. So we are going to look at one argument today. One of the arguments that has been made is that the Bible consists of contradictions, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. And the argument, therefore, is that if the statements are contradictory, then one of the statements has to be false. And according to their arguments, since there are supposed to be false statements in the Bible, it makes it fallible instead of infallible. And so we're going to discuss this argument. Then we will look at an example from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. Then I will give you some tips when faced with someone who says the Bible contains contradictions. So to kind of talk about my past, I've worked as a legal assistant in an attorney's office. There were a couple of times that I went with my boss to trial. He didn't practice criminal law, but he did take on game and fish violation cases. Because you live in Wyoming, that is very common. When you go to a jury trial, especially criminal, you will only see the defendant and the attorneys and people of the public who have no interest in the case. They do what is called sequester the witnesses it means that no witness can come into the courtroom until they are called to testify once they have testified if they are released from both the prosecution and the defense they can choose to stay and watch the trial however if they have not been released they have to leave the courtroom because they may be called back in to testify more one of my tasks when it came to trials like this was I had a list of every witness we were going to call along with their phone number. As the trial progressed, I would have to call witnesses to update them when they needed to be at the courthouse. Even prior to a jury trial, you have probably read when it came to a defendant's bond conditions that they are not allowed to have contact with a victim or witness in the case. Even when we prepared for The jury trial, my boss would always meet each witness separately and talk to them. The thing I noticed in my time sitting in a courtroom is that each witness sounds like they are offering conflicting statements of what happened. Yet, what we think is conflicting is actually how the witness observes an event along with personal experiences and interests that cause some witnesses to focus on one aspect of the event and some to focus on another. I've learned that in my time that if an account between witnesses are harmonized, there's something wrong. For example, I was part of a five-day trial. Our clients were a husband and wife, and the wife had been accused of letting her husband use her bighorn sheep tag and didn't shoot the bighorn sheep herself. This was a big trial because there were four defendants involved, and we all had agreed to let their cases be joined and tried together. Now, when you looked at the evidence from the Forest Service agent, which was pictures he had compiled, it did look like the wife was just sitting by the fire the whole time. You did see that her gun was in the holster that was cinched onto her horse. They also went off of her statement she had written to Game and Fish officials. And in that statement, she did write my gun in the statement. Yet, as we presented evidence and other witnesses, we showed that there was a bigger picture than what we were seeing in the photos and the statement. What others might see as conflicting statements were just one piece of the puzzle. The wife did shoot the bighorn sheep. She chose not to use her gun, but the guide's rifle that was outfitted for long-range shooting. The gun hadn't been confiscated, and when bullet tests were done on the husband and wife's rifles, the weapons expert testified that the bullet was not from either one, but a separate rifle. When showed the bullet taken from the sheep, he testified it was a Berger bullet that could only fit in the specific rifle the guide had. No evidence was ever presented that the husband took the shot, so his charges were actually dropped before jury went into deliberation. In fact, This husband was somewhere in the woods trying to catch up to the guide. The bigger picture had been presented, and it showed that the wife had actually shot the sheep. So what about the Bible? What we are seeing with this argument is that because the Bible doesn't sound harmonized, it's false. As we have established, though, the Bible was written by men through a certain span of time. There are areas within the Bible that seem like they are contradictions. The Bible can be messy. There are personal perspectives. Some stories are retold, such as what you see with 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles. And some of the miracles Jesus performs in the Gospels are some examples. But we have to remember that these apparent contradictions were present in earlier texts. And would have been obvious to early believers. For the Old Testament, they would have been apparent to the Hebrews when they were compiling the original text. Back then, they could have changed those conflicting views and simply harmonized everything. But they were preserved as they are because they are true. We would miss significant detail if that would have happened. So let's look at an example from the Old Testament. Before I start, there were many listed, and I chose one. I challenge you to take a look yourself at some verses, some say are contradictions, and study it for yourself. The one from the Old Testament I chose involves King David. King David takes the sentence of the fighting men. It angers the Lord, and there was a punishment on the Israelites. In 2 Samuel 24, verse 1, it says, Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, israel and he moved david against him to say go number israel and judah now this account is retold again in first chronicles chapter 21 and it says in the very first verse now david or now satan stood up against israel and moved david to number israel now those two statements can sound like contradictions you have one saying that god incited david and the other one that satan stood up against israel and moved david some who bring this up actually say the verse from first chronicles was to make god look better so how do we explain these verses we don't know who wrote the book of second samuel first chronicles was written possibly by ezra and the book was not written until after the babylonian captivity so there had been time that had passed between both books being written in this situation we have to look at the context of the passages if we just went based on second samuel we would miss details that first chronicles 21 brings to light what we can see from second samuel is that the anger of the lord is aroused against israel we don't know why but we know that is what is happening what we have to remember is god is holy James chapter 1 verse 13 says, God cannot be tempted, and in turn, he cannot tempt us. This is where 1 Chronicles comes in. Satan is the tempter, he is the accuser. And we see a similar situation in the book of Job, where Satan accuses Job, and God does allow the afflictions to happen to Job. I'm not going into the theological debate of why bad things are allowed to happen. What we do gather is that God does allow Satan to tempt David. David had the option to ignore the temptation. In fact, if he had gone to the priests, he would have found that he can't take a census. So that explains that uh, example. Now we're going to take a look at an example from the New Testament. I want to look at the birth of Jesus because you will have some who argue that Jesus' birth is filled with contradictions. Granted, it does look messy and you're wondering where did this happen in the context of Jesus growing up. Now we know Matthew and Luke record the events of Jesus' birth. Mark and John do not record those events. Matthew starts off listing the genealogy of Jesus. He then explains Jesus' birth the wise men or known as the magi and joseph and mary having to flee egypt now luke goes into more detail he talks about mary and the angel mary going to see her cousin elizabeth the birth of jesus mary and joseph taking jesus to the temple to perform an offering them having to find jesus when he stays behind the temple Luke does list the genealogy of Jesus in chapter four of his gospel, and some have been bothered by the differences in Matthew and Luke's genealogies. Now, first off, we have to remember that each author is providing their perspective. Matthew was writing to Jews that Jesus is king, that he is the Messiah that they were looking for in the Old Testament. Luke was focused on Jesus being the savior to everyone mark was focused on gentiles so it wasn't any concern about jesus's birth john is known as the supplemental gospel where he supplements what was told while it seems like contradiction to matthew and luke on jesus's birth when you look at the events each one provides a bigger picture some assume that the magi automatically found jesus in the manger when he was born it is when you're reading a book and Easy to think that time passes quickly, but actually time had passed between Jesus's birth and the Ma- Magi appearing. They did not come into the picture until Jesus is a child. This is because Herod gives an order to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. So the passages of Mary and Joseph bringing the offering lands in between Jesus's birth and the Magi and Mary and Joseph's account of having to find Jesus at the temple lands after they come back from Egypt. But what about the genealogies? First off, Luke takes his genealogy to Adam, showing that Jesus's lineage goes all the way back to Adam, the original man. Matthew starts with Abraham. Yes, Joseph is listed as Jewish custom. Joseph was not Jesus's biological Biological father, but is legal. Mary was also a descendant of the lineage of David, and some have said that Luke's genealogy listed was actually Mary's. What we need to realize is that both provide a perspective that adds to the bigger picture of the Bible that Jesus came from the line of David. Before we wrap it up, I want to give you a few tips when someone brings up a verse that seems like a contradiction. First off, don't blow the person off. That's the rudest thing you could do. Let them know that it does look like a contradiction, but that you are happy to help them understand what is going on. You can cite what I said today about witnesses, or you can jump to the verses in question. Dig into these verses with them. The thing that you want to look for is context. Context is always important when it comes to the Bible. When was the book written? Who was the author? What is happening in the verses? thirdly you know it is discussed in other areas of the bible is the question we have to ask ourselves just like the you know king david and the census example we had to go look at the book of james to realize that god doesn't tempt us and we have to remember god's character and satan's character to understand the big picture now i want to give you a good book to read for stuff like this is called christianity by jane warner wallace He was a cold case homicide detective and he was also a skeptic of the faith and he actually took his investigation skills that he knew and used it to investigate whether the gospels were true and now he is a big time apologetic figure in the Christian realm and so feel free to take a look at that book. It's actually a new edition is coming out so check it out but that is a wrap up for this week. Uh, It's a little bit shorter this week uh, because of this is just kind of a simple argument to look at. What verses or stories in the Bible have you seen that seem like a contradiction? Answer that in the comments of the podcast or feel free to go check out our Facebook page and comment when I post the episode next week i am actually going to wait until after this women's conference to decide what i'm going to do for the episode it may be a wrap-up of the conference something that may have stood out to me or it may be a continuation of our series of looking at arguments that have been made against uh, the bible being inspired and so hope you have a great week god bless